Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So now, if you would stand for the reading of the word. Yes, we're in church, so I'm going to read the Bible. (laughs) Um, It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 25. So I say live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Before you're seated, let's go ahead and pray. Would you join me? Lord, thank you for the fun we can have today as we gather together. And Lord, I just pray as we look to you and your word and talk about you and and your plans for us, Lord, I just pray, God, that your spirit would move in and among us and that you would illuminate that you would reveal to us what it is that we need to hear from you today. Lord, I thank you that we can celebrate family and have fun. And Lord, I'm just praying right now as we begin Family Month, Lord, that you would strengthen families within this church, Lord. Strengthen marriages. Lord, I pray for, for healthy, strong, thriving marriages and families and kids Lord, I pray that for all the single people as well, Lord. May they be healthy and growing in their life and their relationship with you, Lord. And as we all recognize, we're all part of one big family. It's your family. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. So, God, we just ask that you would bless our time, bless uh, this day, bless our fun, bless your word in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, go ahead and say welcome to the family as you find your seat. Go ahead. Tell, tell your neighbor. Welcome to the family. It's good to see you all here today. It's great to have you. Glad those of you online are joining us right now. I have some good friends visiting from out of state. Pastor Myron and Carla Ness are here today. They are pastors in my home church for years. And then uh, they passed her on the beach in Washington. They've been there for years. And uh, that's Justin Ness's parents, too, by the way. 
and so they're here with us. Great to have them. If you're new here, man, just so honored to have you guys joining us here today as we kick off Family Month. I'm excited for Discover class. We got Discover today. If you want to stick around and hang out with me and Steve for about an extra hour after this service time, feel free. You can eat a bunch of waffles and then hang out with us. Several of you have already registered and plan on being here, but maybe you haven't. Just want to extend that invitation to you if you want to stay, stick around and join us for Discover class and get to know what Rivers Church is all about. Today, we don't have child care for Discover class, just so you know. So if you have kids, it won't work out today. But next month, you can plan on joining us for Discover class, and that would be great. All right, hey, I want to show you a picture here. This picture is a picture of the most famous iceberg in the history of the world. This iceberg was involved in a tragic accident And some of you might guess what it was involved with. On April... (laughs) Thank you. So for those of you that missed that, sorry, Pastor John Mark just eloquently derailed this moment. (laughs) I was not expecting that. On April 15th, 1912, Leonardo DiCaprio was involved in a tragic accident (laughs) with this iceberg right here. Oh, man. Uh, But, you know, the the, the sad truth is this. Actually, you know, over 1,500 people, they lost their life on that day. And so it's, it's the famous ship called the Titanic. On its maiden voyage, it's this huge, massive empire of a ship. Like, this is the unsinkable ship, right? And on its maiden voyage, it couldn't even finish that because it ran into an iceberg. And decades later, we finally found it. There it is, still at the bottom of the ocean. Now, it's said that navigators actually saw, apparently, navigators saw the iceberg approaching. But they were unaware that most of what you see of an iceberg is, is not visible, if that makes sense. Okay, so most of an iceberg is underneath the water, and so they didn't realize that for some crazy reason, but because of what they couldn't see and what they were unaware of, tragedy happened. And so you see this image of an, of an iceberg. This iceberg represents our life. Most of who we are is underneath the surface. People can't see it. They say that 90% of an iceberg is under the water. You can only see 10% of an iceberg. That's where the phrase tip of the iceberg comes. You heard that phrase, right? That's just the tip of the iceberg, meaning there's so much more going on in that situation or in that person uh, than what we see. And so this iceberg represents our life. And most of who we are is invisible to other people. And there's a lot going on on the inside of us. There's a lot going on in our, what we call uh, our soul and our emotions. Now, we tend to focus on the outward appearance. We tend to focus on that, that tip, that 10% that everybody sees. And so we can kind of feel like, as long as I'm saying things that are mostly appropriate, that my actions are mostly appropriate, I can feel good about myself and, and I'm fine, and I don't want people to know what's going on underneath. Sometimes we try to hide it. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves what's going on underneath the surface or in our, in our life because we are so 
unaware of that. But unfortunately, what can happen is if, when, if we live life like that, when we're not paying attention to what's going on underneath the surface, we can find ourselves shipwrecking relationships. We can find ourselves shipwrecking our jobs, shipwrecking our careers, shipwrecking our marriages and our families, even our life, because we fail to go beneath the surface and take care of who we really are and, and take care of the inner self. And so this month, I want to speak to your soul. We're going on a journey called Emotional Health, How to Raise Your, your EQ. And here's what you, need, you and I need to understand is that unprocessed emotions don't die. They will come out eventually. They will rise to the surface and they will affect us. And a lot of us, we don't like to go there. We don't like this touchy-feely stuff. I don't want to think about my emotions. I don't want to feel my emotions. I just, I suppress it. Uh, I ignore it. I don't want to think about it, let alone talk about it. But what happens is that comes out in our life and it affects us and it affects everybody uh, 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 around us. And we can live life really blindly and not even realize it. Instead of going beneath the surface and discovering what's really going on, we often will suppress it, we'll shut down. We'll blame other people for our issues. We're just living a, a shallow life. And what can happen is we make very poor decisions because our emotions are out of control. Our emotions are dictating our life and we can make poor decisions. Like we just, we'll change friends because it's their issue, not mine. We'll change jobs. We'll change churches. We'll change partners because we think that's going to make the difference, but it doesn't solve the problem because unprocessed emotions don't die. They will come to the surface, and they can come out in destructive ways if we're not careful. So we've got to learn how to examine and how to address our emotional life. We're going to go underneath the surface for several weeks, and I promise this is going to help every single one of us. We're going to talk about emotional health. I think emotional health is so important these days, guys. So important. It affects everything. Paul, he said this. He said in 1 Thessalonians, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the soul is a very important aspect of your being. And I want to talk to your soul. I want to speak to your soul. How's your soul? How you doing? How you doing on the inside? I'm talking about who you really are. The part that people don't see or notice, or at least sometimes we think they don't see or notice. How's your soul? And when I talk about your soul, I'm talking about three things. This is your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is your thought life. The things you think about, your desires, your longings, your wants, your, uh, your feelings, your emotions, all of that encompasses your soul. And it's important that you and I take care of our soul. It's important that you and I grow in emotional health. And what I mean by emotional health is that we are people who have actually have emotional intelligence. They like to call it your EQ these days, your emotional quotient. And so... For forever, we thought IQ was the most important thing, but what we've discovered is your EQ is more important than your IQ. Okay, it's okay to be smart. Your intelligence quotient, your IQ, that, that matters. That's, that's okay, but you can have a great IQ and a low EQ, and you're going to struggle to function 
in the workplace. You're going to struggle to function in life and have relationships. Employers these days are longing for people with a high EQ, not just an IQ. Hey, you can get the job done, but when there's tension in the workplace, can you actually get along with people? Can you work through those issues? Can, does your emotions get the best of you, or can you rise above that and calmly problem solve and navigate the tension and navigate the, the relationships and the conflict in a mature and healthy way? That is the goal. And unfortunately, too many people struggle with this. Now, the truth is we can all go there. When life gets really tough, that's, that's really crazy. That's why it's important that we're constantly paying attention to our soul. How's your soul? How are you doing with your emotional health? Your emotional intelligence. And so I want to give you a definition of emotional intelligence. This comes from a good uh, friend. Really, it's a pastor and lifelong mentor of mine, Don Dietrich, who has studied this topic extensively, and he's written on this. And so he says this, emotional intelligence is this. It's your ability to recognize and understand emotions and your skill at using this awareness to manage yourself and your relationship with others. Because this is very important. If you're taking notes, this is a very good thing to write down. In fact, I highly encourage notes always because they say if you write things down, you're way more apt to remember things. And so I always encourage notes. Your ability to recognize and understand your emotions. Okay, this is where it starts. And then using that ability, developing that skill to to manage yourself, how you live and navigate all of that, as well as your relationship with other people. That's what it means to have emotional intelligence. So how are you doing with this? So what you can see as you look at that definition is there's something very important that we must have in order to grow in emotional health. And it's this thing that I want to talk to you about today, and it's called self-awareness. This is the key. Self-awareness is the first step to be emotionally healthy. If I lack self-awareness, it is going to be extremely difficult, and I would even say impossible for you and I to be emotionally healthy. This is the first step. Self-awareness begins there. In fact, there's this five-stage process of growth, and you can see it in this chart here. It starts with awareness, and so let's say you, you, you become aware that there's an issue in your life that is pulling you down. It's, it's causing some conflict. It's, it's not good. It's, it's, maybe it's just it's sin in your life, and you need to deal with it. And so there's this, this first step, and it's called awareness. Okay, I'm aware of this now. Then you move into ponder. I'm thinking about this. Um, how is this affecting me? How does this affect other people? I, I move into the value part where I, like, I, I begin to think, yeah, this is an important thing. I think people should possess this. Therefore, I should possess this. But then there's this big gap right there in that moment. It's this behavioral or action gap. And a lot of us can get to that point where it's like, oh, I believe this is a good thing for people to have, yet we can still not function in that good thing we think people should have. Because there's this gap between knowing and doing. And so this, I gotta take action. I gotta transition to making this a part of my behavior. So it's that leap into, okay, I prioritize this. I'm going to focus in on this. I'm going to live this out and I'm going to own this thing. Okay. So now I'm owning my issue and how I can move forward, how I can take care of this. Okay. So it's a five stage process, but it begins with awareness. So don't be somebody who lives an unaware and unexamined life. I like to call that the Michael Scott syndrome. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Michael Scott. Okay, so he is the, what, the, the, the manager of this office for Dunder in Mifflin, and uh, it's from the show called The Office, and it's highly entertaining because it all centers around mostly, not, not, not completely, but mostly about this boss who is classically unaware of himself. He's so unaware of how he talks to people, how he treats people, the things that he says. It is like this show, like you can see from the quotes, is sometimes so awkward that it's hilarious. This is why people like it. Okay? They love, it's so funny, and it makes for great television, but it makes for poor life. Okay, so don't be Michael Scott. That's the whole point of this whole thing, right? Okay, the Michael Scott syndrome is somebody who lives an unaware life. They're unaware They're unaware of the things they say, how they affect people, and you don't want to be Michael Scott. That's the whole point. Here's what I've learned. Self-awareness is impossible when we're self-absorbed. When it's all about me and what I think about, all I can think about is me. When I'm self-absorbed, it is impossible for me to really grow in self-awareness and to own where I'm at and what's going on in my life. Self-awareness is impossible when we are self-absorbed. So let's talk about this, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15. And look at a guy named Saul. Saul's the first king of the nation of Israel. And I think that of all the characters in Scripture, he is perhaps the best example of someone who is self-unaware. Now, what's interesting about Saul is he started off so good as the first king of Israel. Had a great, humble beginning. Loved God, wanted to do the right thing. But then all these issues start surfacing in his life. And what's going on underneath, he doesn't take care of himself. And all of his insecurities and all that gets the best of him. And King Saul starts well, but he doesn't end well. It's just this prime example of anybody can start well, but can you finish well? That's what's more important. Anybody can start a marriage well, but can you finish a marriage well? It's about how you finish, not just about how you start. Okay, hey, start well, that's important. But finish well as well. And so that's why emotional health is so important, because Saul is one of those guys that is just unaware of what's going on in his life, and it affects him and everyone else around him, it affects the entire kingdom. And so in 1 Samuel 15, Saul is given very clear instructions from God through the prophet Samuel. So Samuel gives him all these instructions as to what God wants you to do. So Saul goes and carries them out, and he does most of them. Then he changes a few things. He doesn't fully obey God. He actually partially obeys God. And we know that partial obedience is Disobedience, right? It's something we like to train our kids in, okay? You, you did some of it, but you didn't fully obey. So partial obedience still is disobedience, and this is what Saul does. He is partially obeying God, so he disobeys God. And then he comes back, and he's, he runs into Samuel again, the prophet, and he's like, hey, what's up, Samuel? How you doing? God bless you, brother. Man, life is good. I did everything that, that you told me that I was supposed to do. You know, God wanted me to do this. I did it all, you know, and he, he's acting like nothing's wrong. He has no guilt, no healthy conviction or remorse. He feels like he's okay, everything's okay, and he's blessing Samuel. And Samuel's like, "Uh, bro, you didn't do what God asked you to do. And so they begin this conversation. And and this is the moment where we begin to see there's some things underneath the surface that we didn't realize about Saul. So verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. 
But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. If you have your Bible, and you haven't already underlined that, underline that. If you're, watching, if you're reading your digital Bible, highlight that right now. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So this is the beginning of the end of Saul's kingship. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Okay, we'll stop right there. Here's what we see from Saul. Emotionally unhealthy people say no to reflection and self-awareness. Emotionally unhealthy people refuse to stop, to pause, to slow down and reflect and be self-aware. And we've seen this beginning to take place in the life of Saul. We see that Saul's life is actually out of order. There's some unhealth going on underneath the surface, emotionally and even spiritually. He's, he's un, unhealthy, and he never takes the time to go the journey beneath the surface into what's going on inside of him. Oh, on the outside, he's still doing the right things. He's worshiping God. He's been prophesying. He's listening. He's going to church. He's doing some of God's will. So, you know, most people looking at him would say he's got everything together. He is doing everything right, but underneath There are some issues that are now beginning to surface that have already instantly caused him to lose the kingship. Did you see what he said there? He said, I was afraid of the people. Literally, Saul disobeyed God because of his fear and longing to please people. And the truth is, we can go there too, guys. I want to please other people. I want to fit in. I want them to accept me, and, and I'd rather be accepted by them to, than, than to please God. And so we actually can compromise in our life, and we can still maybe mostly obey, but we partially obey God, and still we're walking in disobedience to God. And so this is beginning to surface in Saul's life. He's unaware of what's going on. He's unaware of his fears. He becomes extremely jealous. He doesn't want anybody to be more popular than him. And so as you read through the next several chapters, you can see the downward spiral of Saul. Okay, so very soon here, David comes on the scene. David kills Goliath. And everyone's singing the praises of Saul because Goliath and the Philistines were defeated, but they're singing more praises about David. You know who doesn't like that? Is Saul. He gets so jealous, and you see he's so angry And you read through chapters 18, 19, and 20, and you see Saul attempts to kill David six times. Three times with a javelin. Twice he's trying to put him in harm's way as he fights the Philistines. And you see the spiral where he's he's losing control. Like he eventually sends soldiers to, 
to kill David specifically, and then that doesn't work, and so he himself is on an all-out hunt for David to try and kill him. Like, Saul goes crazy. He is so full of anger, he's so full of jealousy, he's so full of envy and bitterness that it's destroying his ability to think straight and make good decisions. His emotions are ruling his life. And the scary thing is he's convinced he's doing the right thing. And our emotions will convince us of that, guys. That's, the, that's why it's so important for us to be emotionally healthy. Because our emotions can actually convince us that what we're doing is the right thing when it could be the wrong thing. We just feel like it's right. Remember that song, Listen to Your Heart? Listen to your heart. You know what? Okay, it's, it, it's it, great for music, but there's times you don't want to listen to your heart, okay? Because your heart can lead you astray and your heart can take you away from God and can, can lead you down the wrong path. This is what's going on with Saul right here. The truth is Saul is living a very shallow life. He refuses to go beneath the surface and grow through these insecurities and these issues that he obviously has. So remember, an emotionally unhealthy person says no to reflection and self-awareness. So if you flip that around, we've got to understand this. Emotional health requires reflection and self-awareness. I want to encourage you to take time to stop and reflect on your life and how you're living, the things that you're thinking, the things that you're feeling, and to grow in self-awareness. This is actually what David does with his life. So you can contrast David with Saul. So you go over a couple chapters, 1 Samuel 17. Nobody wants to fight Goliath the big giant Philistine, not even King Saul wants to fight him, but David says, I will. No one else will. Come on, I'm gonna take this guy out. And so he has this moment with King Saul in verse 38. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, which is kind of ironic foreshadowing right there in that moment because the current king is putting on his tunic onto the future king, and he doesn't even realize it. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And the rest is history. See what you, what's taking place right there in that story, in that little moment there of King Saul and David is David knows himself. And even though he's in the presence of the king and the king is saying, this is how you need to go and approach the Philistine. This is how you're supposed to fight him. David tries this, but he's like, this isn't who I am. I can't do this. David knows himself. And when you read through the life of David, he's a phenomenal guy to read about and study. What you see is a guy who knows himself. Yeah, he makes some bad decisions. He makes some big, sinful mistakes in his life. But he ends up coming around always, sometimes eventually. And he's honest with his mistakes. And he learns to be honest with his emotions. He processes them. You don't believe me? Read the book of Psalms. David wrote most of Psalm. And these these songs that he writes in the book of Psalm are just awesome. Because David's like, God, where are you? 
Like, have you left me, God? I need you. I long for you. When are you going to come to me, God? You know, he's pouring out his soul as he's reflecting with his struggles and his inner self. He's just being honest and he's being real, but he's doing it in a healthy way. God, where are you? I'm afraid. I'm scared. All these people are out to kill me. God, would you kill my enemies? I mean, he's writing songs about killing his enemies. God, would you kill my enemies? And God, forgive me. I've made mistakes. And and then God, I praise you. God, you're faithful. You're amazing. I love you. I mean, he can do all of those in one song too, by the way. He goes through the wide gamut of emotions. Most of what takes place in what is written in Psalm we would never sing on a Sunday morning now. People would be appalled to sing these things. Like, that is so wrong. And to, you know, as far as public, you know, singing and worship goes, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. But what we see here is a life principle that you and I need to catch. It is so good for us to process our emotions in a very healthy way. And sometimes they feel very raw and vulnerable and ungodly as they come out. But it's, it's good for us to recognize where we really are. And David does this, and he pours out his emotions. And so he is, he is someone who is actually living a very self-aware life. He says yes to self-awareness. He says yes to reflection. And because of that, David is a great example for us of an emotionally healthy individual. So self-awareness, it's the first step to be emotionally healthy. I wanna give you a little chart here, walk you through this little chart that's gonna illustrate different levels of maturity that you and I can walk in. Because when we talk about emotional health, that's what we're talking about is emotional maturity. And we don't want to be emotionally immature, we want to be emotionally mature. So let's look at this in the stages of life. So we all know an infant. A baby. We got baby Charles Frederick back there right now. Okay, this is, how he, this is how he lives his life right now. He feels a need, but he can only cry. He must wait for his parents to figure it out. He becomes angry if they're wrong in what they're trying to figure out, and it, or if they ignore him or they're inattentive, he's angry. He just says, that's all he can do is cry, just whine and cry. But let's look at an adult as an emotional infant. Treats others as objects to meet my needs. Acts like a tyrant and wins through intimidation. Unable to empathize with others. Okay, let's go to a child. A child can communicate, but is still dependent upon other people. A child will act out their feelings of pain and their fear and their resentment. They lack skill to openly discuss and negotiate getting those needs met and trying to figure out how to solve the issue still. Children still lack that. Let's look at an adult as an emotional child. Acts out of resentment through distance, pouting, whining, clinging, lying, withholding, appeasing, lying. Does not openly and honestly express needs. They don't know how, and oftentimes they can't because emotionally, they're still a child. They might be 50 years old, but emotionally, they're 10. Then look at an adolescent. Rebels against parental authority. Okay, we're talking about teenagers here, right? Defines self in reaction to others. Fears being treated as a child. Don't tell me what to do is a common thought or phrase that they will use, right? They're trying to grow in their independence. But let's look at an adult as an emotional adolescent. They cannot give without feeling controlled or resentful. Their capacity for mutual concern is missing 
They're defensive. They're threatened by criticism or even good input into their life. So the goal is that we grow beyond all of those things, move out of those things, and we are an adult, not just in age, but in maturity. Not just in the number of years that I've traveled around the sun, but in my emotional health, we want to be mature. We want to be adults. So adults can't, they're able to ask for what they need, they want, they prefer clearly, directly, honestly, and respectfully. They desire for relationships to win. They're able to listen with empathy. They're willing to risk saying what is needed without attacking. Respects others without having to change them. Able to resolve conflicts maturely and negotiate solutions. Gives themselves and others room to make mistakes and not be perfect. This is the goal, that you and I would live in this place. We could, we could go on and on about all the characteristics and all the traits with each of these different levels, but I pray that you would grow in emotional health, that you would grow to be emotionally mature. And the first step is self-awareness. It starts right there. Are you self-aware? Do you know what's going on inside? Do you know what's going on in your soul? Can I just be honest and say this was a struggle for me for years? And some of you can identify with that, maybe even now. But for me and Amy, in our early years of marriage, this really was a big issue. And we would have conversations, and the conversations would get a little more heated. And she would express things, and she would oftentimes even share feelings and thoughts and emotions in a very healthy way, but it would trigger something for me, and I would get upset, I would get angry, I would get self-righteous, and I would even judge my wife for the things that she said, even though she was just trying to be honest with where she was at in the thing. And I would judge her and say things like, how could you be a Christian and say that? And I found myself being very self-righteous in these conversations and as I learned how to reflect and become self-aware, I realized the reason I got so upset with her is because I felt the same way. I just didn't want to admit it. And so I thought, like, if I express it and I say it, then it's just so wrong and sinful. So what I would do is be a strong man of God. And I would suppress all of those emotions. I would never think about them. I would never deal with them. And that's me being godly is what I thought. I convinced myself of that. And some of you, you laugh because you identify, right? And some of us, we're just scared to go there because it reminds us of hurt from the past. We don't want to think about those painful things from the past. Yet all the while, we need to realize those things still affect us. You've got to go to the journey deep beneath the surface of what's going on. You've got to learn how to reflect, how to process those things in a healthy way so those things don't take you out and other people with you. And it's been a journey that I've been on for, for years and years and years. I'm still learning to grow in self-awareness, and I pray that you would as well. Because remember this, unprocessed emotions don't die. <laughs> I love what Peace Cazero says. He says this, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And maybe you've seen this take place in the church before. <laughs> I love Pete Scazzaro. In fact, a lot of material that I'm gonna be using all month long comes from Pete Scazzaro. He's the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and the author of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, Emotionally Healthy Marriage, Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. I've read most of those books because I just love, I thought this, this is such an important topic. 
And I love reading and, and learning and growing in this. And so his premise is it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Because for years, maybe in the church, we've neglected this area called emotional health. We've discipled and helped other people grow in all these other areas, but we haven't helped them grow emotionally. And so we can have people who love God and are great with their finances, thanks to Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. They know everything there is about Daniel and Revelation. They can share their end times theology because they've studied the word. They've maybe taken parenting classes and they're doing a decent job as a parent, you know, and they've done marriage stuff, but we've neglected to disciple people in emotional health, and they know all this stuff, but they're emotionally immature. And it affects their relationships with people and the world, and people will look at those emotionally immature Christians and they'll say, like, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't, it doesn't seem to affect your life. And so we've got to give Jesus permission to go deep beneath the surface and bring healing to the emotions, the hurts, the pains of our life. And for many of us, it's not an easy journey, but it is so worth it, friends, because Jesus offers healing and he offers freedom for you. And so I'm just trying to help you raise your, your EQ. That's the whole goal of this whole series, right? Emotional health, health, raising your EQ. So how do I know if I'm living in this place? How do I know if I'm emotionally healthy or emotionally mature? The simple answer is this. The fruit of the Spirit is naturally coming out of your life. Is the fruit of the Spirit coming out? Can I be angry and not sin? <laughs> it's okay to be angry. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Jesus even got angry, and Jesus is the most emotionally healthy and mature person we could ever read and study about. He could healthily communicate his emotions, what was going on, and still never sin. Okay, in your anger, what does that lead you to do? Can you not sin and be angry? Can you respond with patience when things don't go your way? Can you go through difficult circumstances in life and still be filled with the joy of the Lord? Can somebody cut you off on Highway 101 and goodness comes out of your mouth? Because <laughs> that's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Bless you for doing that right now. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> what comes out of your mouth? So is the fruit coming out of your life when life happens? This is the indicator of where I'm at in my life. Okay, so let's look at those, those few verses again. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, in the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. He goes on to describe the acts of the sinful nature. I like to call this the fruit of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, which is causing division. That's what factions is. Uh, and uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But thanks be to Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. 
What can wash away my sins? What can make me new and whole again? The blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. And when you and I believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross and we commit to following him and we ask for forgiveness, confess our sins and say, thank you, Jesus, for taking my sins on the cross. And we begin that relationship with him and commit to following him for the rest of our life. There's a freedom. Uh, We are made new. There still could be a battle because we're in process of growth where emotionally I can still have some unhealthy patterns in my life. And so I need Jesus to help me with those. But man, he fills me with his spirit, with his presence. And so now I want to live according to his spirit, not according to my flesh and my sinful desires. I want to live according to the spirit of God who is alive and at work inside of me. The fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The goal is that those things would just naturally come out of your life no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience in life. And when that happens, you can just thank God and say, thank you, Lord, I'm emotionally in a good place there. And then something happens in life where you're triggered, right? And you're upset, you're angry, you you fly off the handle, you say something you shouldn't say, and you you gotta take time to stop and reflect. Why did that happen? What happened there? Because something triggered you in a place where you're emotionally unhealthy. And you need to invite Jesus by his spirit to come to that that place. Say, can you bring healing to this place in my life? Because I don't want this to get the best of me. So the goal is that you and I would live by the spirit. Galatians 5, 16. I pray that, I quote that, I declare that often in my life. Live by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What's it mean to live by the spirit? simply means to let the Spirit lead you in every area of your life. Every single one. Don't say, God, I love you and I trust you and I'm following you in every area but this and this. Invite him into every area of your life. All the decisions, all the things that you're doing, make Spirit Lord, the leader of every area of your life. That's what it means to to live by the Spirit. So here's the deal, guys. God wants to be close to you and I. And his spirit will convict you because he wants to be close to you. His spirit will convict you because there's issues in your life that are weighing you down, they're holding you down, there's sin that is hindering your relationship with God. And he wants you to deal with that because he loves you and he wants all of you. And oh, by the way, he wants to give you all of him. And so we gotta listen to the spirit when the spirit even convicts us and speaks to us and and causes us to be aware of some issues in our life. The Spirit wants to help you in self-awareness. That's why I love that David wrote this. This is one of the Psalms that David wrote. Psalm 139, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is giving permission to God to speak to him and to show him areas that he needs to grow in. I give you permission, God, to go beneath the surface. Holy Spirit, will you cause me to be aware of something I need to deal with in my life and bring healing to that place? Self-awareness, guys, this is the first step into being emotionally healthy. And here's the good news. All of us can grow in self-awareness. Therefore, all of us can grow in becoming more and more emotionally healthy. 
Stay tuned in the coming weeks because we'll hit some specific things. I think next week we'll even talk about how we can fight good and in a healthy way. Because uh, I want to help you be emotionally healthy people. I think this is a very important topic for these times. Because Lord knows these last two years have tested us to the max. And emotionally people are all over the place. And we found ourselves there as well. So let me just end today with just a couple practical thoughts. Two things I want to encourage you to do starting today. Number one is ask for input from a trusted friend. Have an honest conversation. Give them permission to speak to you in love. Things that might be an issue that you need to deal with. That can be a spouse. It could be just someone you're really close to. Make sure you do it in love because the goal is to build each other up, not to tear each other down. Like, oh, good. Now I get to tell you what I really think about you. Sweet. Thanks for opening that door. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, that's not what we're going for here. Okay, so you want to go to a trusted friend that you know is not going to beat you up for all your issues and your baggage and your junk, but someone that's going to help you deal with these things. Ask for input. Number two, reflect on your emotional life. This is how you can grow in becoming more and more self aware. Take some time to stop, to slow down. This is why we're huge fans of this slowed down spirituality, slowed down life. We live life so fast, so crazy, so busy. We don't take the time to stop and recognize and realize what's going on beneath the surface of our life. It takes time, guys. So do it. Take the time to reflect on your emotional life. And as you do that, here's two questions I want you to ask yourself. Number one, How am I feeling right now? It's a great question to ask yourself. How am I feeling right now? And then number two, why do I feel this way? I promise you, you take some time to go there and you invite the Holy Spirit into that moment, into that process. He's gonna speak to you. He's gonna reveal things to you. And you can become aware of like, I feel really uh, scared right now. Why do I feel so scared? Why do I feel so, I just feel scared. It's this, oh, this is going on, this is going on. And it's amazing how we just take time to process those things. And we invite God into the process, how he can take us on this journey and help us bring healing. Sometimes we realize maybe I need some professional counseling or therapy. That can be a great thing to go to some godly people to walk you through some of this stuff. I I recommend that. But it needs to start where we allow the Holy Spirit to just move and work in our life. Maybe... You're just very grateful. You feel very grateful. And I'd encourage you to journal this. Get it out there. Write it down. Sometimes there's things that come out that's like, I don't need to tell anybody else this, but I can just, me and God, right now in my journal, and I just lay it out here in my Jesus journal here. And sometimes like, dear Lord, I pray no one ever reads this. But Jesus, I got to get this out. Can you you just meet me right where I'm at? Because here's what I've learned, guys, is we don't want our emotions to dictate and determine our life. We don't want them to cause us to make decisions, but they are indicators of where we are at right now. And if I don't take the time to recognize that and grow from that, they will dictate and determine our life. Emotions are terrible leaders, but they're great indicators. And they're also something that God has given us so that we can enjoy life and have fun. So, how am I feeling right now? Why do I feel this way? Let God speak to you. Do that this week. I promise you, it'll be a very, I love doing this. Very, very uh, powerful experience for you. 
Would you stand your feet right now? Let's, let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.